0: Grab your Bibles, and let's go to Galatians chapter 5. Holy is God set apart. Mm. Thank you, guys. Hey, are you out there? All right, Uh, turning? I love hearing those pages turn. Galatians chapter 5. If you don't have a Bible with you, we've got some people coming around with a Bible. I'd love for you to borrow it. We're big about the Bible over here. We don't just talk about it. We dig into it. Galatians 5, last week we started. Chapter 5, verse 1, for freedom Christ has set us free. Oh, so grateful for that. Listen, it's from a works-oriented person thinking theology reality was what he was talking about last week. No, no, don't be a works-oriented person. Don't be a works-theology person. Don't be a works-oriented teacher either. Instead, we've called from that to stand firm on our freedom in Christ. Remember last week talking about stand firm. It's like this. It's like I'm standing firm. I'm just not like, huh, 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 whatever, free. You know, boom, you're going to get shoved out, of, tipped over. I'm not going to get a hold of the freedom. But the fact is Christ has set us free. And, man, I'm telling you, folks, let's stand firm on that. The freedom of Christ. Now. What does that freedom look like? Uh, That's what we're really talking about today. I want for you to understand, last Sunday, this Sunday, and next Sunday, all are so important fits together, okay? As we talk about the topics that we're talking about here in just chapter 5, it's just—it's almost like you can't take one of these sections and then leave it at that. You've got to put it together, so I'm kind of adding these pieces in this. But first of all, here today, we take a look, and the first thing in your notes is, I have been called to freedom. Okay, We're going to kind of review a little bit here and some of the text that was included from last week just to get moving, but I have been called to freedom. So we're going to Galatians 5. We're in verse 13. Let me pray. God, I pray as we go into your word that the Spirit of God would work and help us and move us and lead us and do a work in us. God, we have your words before us your words. And God, for the person who knows Christ as their Savior, has you in us. We've got the Word of God in our laps, and we've got the Spirit of God in us. Uh, This is going to be a good time with you. In your name we pray. Amen. Verse 13, Paul speaking, for you were called to freedom, brothers. For you were called to freedom, sisters. The word called here. Uh, two aspects to it. It has a verbal as well as an intentional meaning behind it. Uh, Sometimes in the Greek, it's used one way. Sometimes it's used another way. Now, let me hit these real quick. What's it mean to call verbal? Hey, time for dinner. That's a call, right? Okay. Another meaning is, is, listen, you've been called to something. It's this design. There's some kind of design for you, some kind of purpose for you to be something. And Paul is saying, listen, follower of Christ, you have been called. I love that. I think it really is this picture of God in essence saying, hey, I'm calling you. By the way, the next word is to something. I like that. Because we haven't just been called from something, which really was so much of the focus of last Sunday. Uh, Don't go there. Don't be the works-oriented person. You've been called away from that. Here, Paul is saying you have been called to something. It's not just pulled out of something, but it's pulled out of and called to something. The next word, you have been called to freedom. What is freedom? Well, really, Paul talks about it's not something and it is something. Uh, uh, First, what is it not? Uh, for you are called to freedom, brothers, only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh. It's not an opportunity for the flesh. Uh, if my freedom in Christ is not about total self-indulgence and to be able to now do whatever I can do. In other words, it's not about the, I got the golden ticket. Now I get to do whatever I want to do here. Uh, now there's sometimes the natural thing inside of us that goes, well, bummer, I mean there's some things like I can't do? Uh, hang on here. Because freedom isn't about self-indulgence. It's, it's not about the ability to do whatever I want. It's not about the ability just to do whatever makes me happy. I want to tell you something. It's way better than that. Uh, by the way, freedom. Freedom even here in our country. We are a, quote, free country. Freedom here in our country does not mean we can do anything we want to do. Uh, I, wanna, I really want to rape and pillage well, here in a free country, that's not allowed. True? And I really like that fact. Okay? So understand, when we talk about freedom, it means you're taking away some of my rights. Yes, we are taking away some rights to do some really nasty, ugly, bad things. Okay? Okay? And we are seeking to have freedom here in this country. There means that there is some guidelines to it, and those guidelines are good. I think of the Old Testament, Judges 17, 6. Jesus, or or God uses us to describe Israel at the time, one of the worst times in Israel's history. And it says, every man did what was right in his own eyes. Can you imagine the total chaos of that reality? I mean, think about this room throw the freedom thing out, and the, and the reality that there are some boundaries that, to protect, to help, to, 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 so that good is advanced. Imagine if every one of us in here were allowed to do what we wanted to be able to do. I don't want to get on a ev- theory of evolution reality, but isn't the theory of evolution the idea that stronger things win? So who are you to tell me what to do? Well, here's the reality of it as we move along is in this fact of as we live a life, if every one of us did what we wanted to do, life would not last very long. (laughs) It just wouldn't last very long. I mean, look at our world. Why do bad things happen? No, that's the wrong question. Why does anything good happen? You see, when we understand theologically the reality of where everybody is at in the world, the fact that God allows anything good to take place is a blessing directly from his hand. Every day, every moment. And so as we move along, your freedom is the ability to do whatever I want. It is an opportunity. But I say, walk by the spirit and I'm sorry, jump down for you are called to freedom brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh. That's what I wanted to hit on opportunity. The word opportunity in the Greek is taught, was used to refer to base camps in military movements back in that day. They would use that word for that's where all the organization took place for all the battle out there. So think about it. Uh, freedom is not intended to be an opportunity. My freedom is not a base camp for something. Uh, for what? For the flesh. Uh, my freedom in Christ is not a, to be a base camp for the flesh. What's the flesh? No, we're not talking about my skin. No, we're not talking about your skin. We're talking about our sinful inclination. We're talking about our sin-bentedness, if you will. It's the sinful, habitual patterns that continually seek their expression in you and I, even as a saved follower of Christ. It's those life-thinking and life-acting habits that are not in accord with God's will. A freedom in Christ is not supposed to be a base camp for my self-indulgent life list. That's never what it's been intended to do. Okay, so Doug, what is freedom intended to be? Freedom is about being released from that which is preventing me from doing what I was created to do. I'll catch it here in a minute. It's it's about being released from a state of tyrannical inability. And now I'm empowered with opportunity. It's this statement. I get to now. I get to now. Let me try and illustrate this. In fact, let's use our fishy in our logo here, all right? Let's go to the next slide. Um, This is, I'm seeking to illustrate a fish in a bowl, uh, illustrating uh, life without Christ. Now, this fish in this bowl, the reality biblically is there's a couple facts that are taking place in this reality. Uh, One, the Bible says that we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Uh, One of the things is I'm condemned in my sin, I'm law-bound, I'm spiritually dead, Ephesians two one says. I'm condemned, I'm also separated from God because of my sin. Understand it this way, I am completely, without Christ, the person is completely incapable of pleasing the Lord, completely. I get no thrill out of saying that whatsoever. But without Jesus Christ, there is a complete inability to be able to give anything, any kind of glory to God. You mean even moral nice things that are done? Yes, even moral nice things that are done. Because I'm in this state. I'm in this confined, condemned, separated reality. I'm a slave to the flesh, uh, the scripture talks about. Life is all about me. I'm stuck on me. I'm stuck on carrying my desires. And the truth of the matter is I'm powerless to do anything about my condition. That fish and that condition cannot jump out on its own. And I just want to tell you, it's such a sad life. Can you imagine being that fish? I got to tell you, I think that'd be kind of fun for like about five minutes. And then after that, continually just boing, boing on the ball, confined, stuck, and I can't do anything about it. Well, that's, if you will, kind of a picture of life without Christ. Uh, now let's illustrate the depiction of life with Christ. It's set free. It's set free from all of that. It's the ability to, to, to have been redeemed out of, pulled out of, saved out of. It's now no condemnation. I'm justified. I'm released. I'm redeemed. I'm forgiven. I'm parted. I'm imputed with the righteousness of Christ. All the things we've been talking about for the last weeks here recently. And here's the thing. For the first time, I can do what God wants me to do, actually. For the very first time ever. Now because of Christ. I've been set free. Not only that, I've been adopted. Uh, Look over to the left side of your page, if you will, if it works for you, Galatians 4. Uh, Eric talked about this some weeks ago. Galatians 4, let me pick up verse 3. love this, adopted. In the same way, we also, when we were children, were enslaved to the elementary principles of the world, i.e., in the fishbowl. Verse 4, but when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem, to set free those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons, adoption as daughters. And because you are sons, because you are daughters, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave. You're no longer in the fishbowl. But you're a son, you're a daughter. And if a son, then an heir through God can i just tell you life over this side is way better than life there adopted an adopted child not only that but we're empowered it talked about it we're an heir we're empowered we're indwelt by the spirit of god i've been enabled i've been given life and i'm his child now where's the fish landing I mean, fishes weren't designed to be in the bowl. No, wrong. Fishes weren't designed, in my illustration, okay, in my pastoral illustration world, the fish was not designed to be in the bowl. The fish is to be over here, Chris, go ahead, in the hands of God. Uh, Listen, this is the landing platform, in the hands of God. Uh, I want to tell you, I would so rather be here in the hands of God than over here, uh, ding, uh, ding, uh, ding on the bowl. And then everything I see is distorted. There's so many things, kind of illustrations you can work out of that. But over here, I am in the hands of God. (sighs) Freed, freed, whew, I'm liking freedom, made alive, redeemed, justified. But what's it look like to live in this hand? We're going to be spending our time here and, and next week talking about this topic. Now that, in essence, I'm out of that, over here, I've come to the place where I've received Christ as my Savior. I've seen that I'm a sinner and I need a savior and Christ is the savior for my sin. And I've committed my life to him. I've submitted to him, received him as my savior. I'm in his hands. Now what's life look like? I want to tell you, this is the place where oftentimes so many people who come to Christ uh, get lost, get a little confused. Why is that? I actually think it makes sense. Here's why. Because I've been used to living like this. Now, I am in a completely different reality. And I want to say this. Life is different over here, and that's a wonderful thing. So what's like look over here? Well, we're going to go to two things today, and then next week we'll carry some more out. I want for you to notice here, because so often what ends up happening is, is we get confused and we don't know what to do here. But I do want to say, even though Paul is talking about the law and you can't earn God's favor, when we're over here, Paul talked today about two things we do do. Okay. Two things here from now that we do. The first is out of this, I've been called to freedom. And then the next is I've been called to love. Uh, Let's catch up with our text. Verse 13, for you are called to freedom, brothers, sisters, only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love, serve one another. Uh, For the whole law is fulfilled in one word, uh, Hebrew word. Uh, You shall love your neighbor as yourself, but if you bite and devour one another, watch out that you're not consumed by one another. Let's kind of work these couple verses backwards here. I've been called to love. Verse 15, he uses this term. Listen, if you bite and devour one another, uh, you're going to be consumed by one another. Can we say this? That's not what's supposed to be happening over here, uh, up here. Okay, that's not what's supposed to be happening. Now, Paul, I love the way he turned out just a side note. I think it's so gracious on Paul. He, he's not saying, you are biting and devouring one another. Actually, what he says here, hey, listen, you don't want to do that. But as we've gone through Galatians so far, you kind of get the idea. I'm sure there's been some biting and devouring here. Because they've been in this debate about the law and about freedom and the Judaizers coming in and Paul's not right there. And there's been, I just love the way Paul is very gracious here. He said, listen, let's not be people that are biting and devouring. Verse 14, but instead we should be people who are the whole law is fulfilled and love your neighbor as yourself. Love who? Love your neighbor. Who's your neighbor? Who's your neighbor? Well, I know my neighbors. Uh, next to my house, that would be a neighbor, right? Right? Uh, okay, I would say a neighbor also would be people that you work with, people that you go to school with, correct? Okay, that's a neighbor. H- how about uh, family? Are they neighbors? <laughs> okay, having a little harder time with that one, huh? Uh, <laughs> it depends. No, uh, they are neighbors uh children they are neighbors uh your spouse yep they're neighbors your roommate if you're single uh, with someone yep they're your neighbor basically it's everyone oh by the way even the people around you in here are your neighbors the point of this is this isn't a specified term saying a certain person a couple individuals this is talking about holistically listen folks love your neighbor how okay i gotta clear something up on this Because there is this discussion by some today that's basically saying this, love your neighbor as yourself. What that is saying is is you really can't love other people until you've come to love yourself. Now let me clear this up. That is bull-oni. Okay? Because here's the reality of it. We just, I just love me. (laughs) And here's what I know about you. You love you. Oh, no, I don't. I've got a low self-image. No, here's the fact. You and I are bent toward just, we just love ourselves. This is not saying the kind of thing, go home, I'm not giving you this assignment. Go home, look in the mirror and go, I love me. I'm a wonderful person. I just, what's with that? If I said that enough times, I have to begin wondering, if that's true, why did Jesus have to die on the cross? I'm very serious about that. That whole thinking is a straight out affront on the cross. Now here's the reality. This is what the text is saying. As you and I just love ourselves... (laughs) are just so consumed by ourselves? Don't we just hug? I mean, that's just the way we, we may say we're not that way, but I'm telling you, that's our natural instinct, isn't it? Hey, listen, the way we're so consumed by that, use that, to, in that kind of consumed way, love other people. In other words, instead of being that, I know what it's like to be so consumed by me. I need to, t- okay, I get what that's like. Okay, I-, I love, I need to love other people. Seriously? I'm telling you, I think about me. All the time. I'm being transparent out front here with you. And so do you. We just think about ourselves from morning till night. And this text is saying, hey, listen, you all, we all know what it's like to love ourselves. What we need to do is get off of that and take that onto other people. Friends, this is a huge challenge. Think about it. Do I love people that way? A consuming, moving, continual, eyes aware, seeing how life impacts other people. Is that me? Is that you? I gotta tell you, this is an area we all need to grow in. So when I'm over here and I'm blessed by being able to be in the hands of God over here, part of what's supposed to be taking place I'm loving people. That's what this looks like. In fact, let me term it this way. Let me kind of say that when I'm in the hands of God, I'm looking back and I'm seeing God's face. And I now have the opportunity to please God rather than this whole distorted world. I now have the opportunity to please God. And as I'm looking at God and I'm wanting to love him and wanting now because I have the opportunity to do that, while I'm doing that, I'm loving people. Loving people, loving people, loving people. And I got to tell you, I'm a pastor, and I struggle with doing that. And so do you. True? It is. We just struggle with it. But that's the call. Hey, follower of Christ, you have been called to love other people. I've been called to love other people. Am I doing that? I've been adopted child of God. I've been called to freedom. I've been called to love others. I've been called to be a love serving others people person. And third, I've been called to walk. I've been called to walk. So what does it look like over here? I've been used to swimming. Swimming in my sins, swimming in the reality of what's going on. Ephesians 2 verses 1 through 3. I've now been redeemed. I've been pulled out. I've been made a new creation in Christ. What does it now look like over here in this reality? Uh, let, let's keep reading. Uh, for you are called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. Jump down to verse 16. But I say, walk. Walk walk. That's interesting. Over here, um, so often I think what we end up looking like doing over here is uh, four different ways. One is, I'll say, yoga-like. Not Yoda, but yoga-like. Kind of, you know you know the picture, you know, the sitting down and I'm in the hands of God and I'm there and I'm like, oh God, wonderful God, and I'm like trying to get, and I'm expecting for this like massive transformation and fusion, I don't even know. It's kind of like this. If I just let go and let God, you've heard that? Or it's all God, none of me. Really? Really? Is that what the text is saying? Uh Uh-uh. It's as though there's this spiritual kind of thing. If I just sit here, I want to tell you, that's Eastern mysticism. That's not biblical. One of the ways, is false ways, is I look yoga-like in the process of the hand of God, and I just wait for him to do work. I want to tell you, that's not the case at all. Uh, Another is uh, be like this. I've got a chair over here in a stadium, and I'm sitting there, and I'm like cheering. You go, God. Yeah cheer, or girls, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you know, kind of the go, God, gee, oh, okay, that kind of a thing, and the idea is, is I'm kind of here cheering God on, I'm over here, everything's good, hunky-dory, I'm sitting in the stands, and I get to watch God do his thing, hey, we do get to watch God do his thing, but I want to let you know, that's not where Paul is going here, it's not yoga-like, and it's not being a cheerleader fan like thing and third it's also kind of not like i've been free and i've been given the spirit of god and i am like a stud for god and i can do all things through christ now the scriptures do talk about that but i want to tell you how we generally use that we so take it out of context this isn't about the i am now master universe dog in god's hands that's not what this is talking about what does it say it is one word but i say what walk okay let's picture that if you will if i'm looking at god i'm redeemed i'm a savior i'm seeking to please the lord i'm in his hand what does he say for me to do now let's think about walk the term walk or the idea the verb walk is an action and by the way it's something the believer in christ is supposed to do now, so far in Galatians, there's been so much discussion going on about the, uh, the you can't earn God's favor, you can't try and do, do things to earn God, but here's the deal. Now that I'm in God's hands, now that I've been redeemed, I'm a child of God, I'm in his hands, now I have the opportunity, I get to do something. I get to walk. I get to love and I get to walk. Do you see the action oriented of it? Uh, By the way, the whole loving thing, I kind of passed by there. The whole loving thing, it's about serving. It's not just a warm compassion. It's just, I, I just want to tell you, I love you. I love you. And then I don't do squat. No, the text says, love shows itself in serving. It's an action oriented. And here Paul says, I'm in God's hands and I'm to be one that's loving other people. I'm getting after it. I'm loving people, loving people, loving people, loving people. And I'm walking, 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 walking. I'm moving. I'm progressing. I'm putting effort into it. I'm advancing. And by the way, Paul's terminology here, like I talked about last week with some of the verbs, it's a present active imperative. The idea here is is that this walking is something that I'm to be doing presently and continuously, and it's a command. Paul is not saying, it would be a good idea, or I would suggest, or I would like for you to. Paul is saying, you must, believer in Christ, you must be someone that is continuously and actively putting forth the effort to be the kind of person that is advancing in a walking kind of a way. I must walk. Freedom means I can walk. Before, uh, before I couldn't walk in the hands of God. Now I'm in the hands of God. I get to walk in the hands of God. But it's not any way I want. Look at verse 16. But I say walk by the Spirit. By the Spirit. Much of this is kind of today and next Sunday. Uh, But I want to say, notice that it doesn't say walk by the law so much of the, uh, the discussion in Galatians has been about the law. So in other words, I can't earn God's favor by being incredibly moral. I can't. And over here, by grace saved through Christ, when I come to the Lord because of Jesus Christ, over here, by the way, the law doesn't kick in over here either. Hey, listen, believer in Christ Christ, Again, as I mentioned last week, you cannot earn any more of God's love from the very day you came to know Him as your Savior. Because God gave it all. He's not divvying out little portions of it to you after you complete an assignment and you get a smiley face from God. That's not the way this is looking. God has given you all of His love, all of Himself. I'm trying to learn how to carry that out in my life. I'm not under the law over here, nor was I prior to Christ. It's a walk that's empowered by the Spirit. The Spirit is directing me. The Spirit is the one who is the power behind. Karen, could you come here for a minute? I'll kind of come down. Let me illustrate this. So I'm in the hand of God, if you will, because of grace in Christ. And so what am I supposed to be doing? I'm supposed to be walking. What else am I supposed to be doing? I'm supposed to be love-serving love, love serving other people. Okay, now, the Spirit of God is the one who... Uh, my job is to walk. And I know folks right behind the thing, you can't see, but I'm moving my legs now, like I'm walking. I want to walk. But actually, all I know how to do is, like, lift my legs up. I have the responsibility to be walking. Uh, who has the responsibility or opportunity or who is the one... Who is moving me? Okay, wives, be careful with this illustration here. Okay, okay, this is not a husband-wife conference, and the wives are not the Spirit of God. But here's what's going on: my responsibility, my responsibility is to be walking. The Spirit of the God is Spirit of God is the one who's actually moving me. He's the one. He's the one who's moving me along, giving me the ability to advance. Listen, anytime, thanks babe, anytime, by the way, she's my wife in case you're new in the babe thing. Okay, um, (laughs) just thought of that. So in this, I just hope that gives you the idea that, listen, so often, remember the yoke of slavery from last week over here in the fishbowl? It's this yoke of slavery of sin. Over here, it's not a yoke of slavery to the Spirit. It's, in other words, I'm advancing, I'm stepping, I'm making effort and movement, and the Spirit of God is the one who's allowing me to do that and moving me all along. I want to tell you, any growth in Jesus Christ is a God thing. But that doesn't mean yoga-like. Understand? Now, how do we put all that together? Well, one, we can already put it together because love is something that I'm engaging in doing. Uh, uh, it's all in the mind issue. It's, am, is my mind set on honoring the Lord today? Today? All day? Really, all day? You see, my job is to be the one who is seeking to be connected in my walk life with the Lord. God's the one who's doing the work of it. Don't be a yoga-like Christian. Be a walking, be a moving, be an advancing. And understand this, the Spirit of God uses the Word of God in the people of God. What is the main tool of the Spirit of God? Answer, the Word of God. What is the double edged sword? The Word. Who's swinging it? The Spirit. Through who? Through me. He got that. I, I, wish, I wish I could do computer graphics and make a movie out of this. But it's like I'm walking along, God's moving me, and the Spirit of God is working through me, and the Word of God is the thing. <laughs> you know, doing work in me and out. I want to say this. We are walking in the Spirit when we are caring about it, number one. Number two, you cannot be a person who is truly walking in the Spirit if you're not a person who's in the Word. Straight up. You cannot be a person who is really being used by the Spirit of God if you are starving yourself from the Word. The Spirit of God uses the Word of God in the people of God. The Word of God is God's words. 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3, He has given us everything we need. How much? Everything. Everything we need for all of life and for all of honoring the Lord. All godliness where? Right here it says. He has given us everything we need for life and godliness in His Word. Do I see it that way? Do I see this as the instruction manual for my life? Am I engaged in it and learning it and growing in it? I'm not talking about from a professor-ish kind of a way. I'm talking about am I putting it in, putting it in, putting it in, studying it, the Spirit of God helping me to understand it, and as life is coming through, it's transforming me. The Word of God and the Spirit of God transform me as... I walk, but I say walk by the Spirit. Let's keep reading. But I say walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Are you like, my goodness, you know, I got this battle in my life. Doug, you're talking about this thing, but you don't know my life. You don't know inside about this battle. No, actually, I do know about this battle inside of you. And in fact, let's illustrate it real quickly. Go to Romans 7, a little to the left in your New Testament. It's like 30, 40 pages over. Romans chapter 7. This is the Apostle Paul. By the way, the Apostle Paul, mm, kind of a big, spiritually mature guy, okay? At this point, this is not a prior to Christ. I would think of Paul as like one of the really God-used kind of people, okay? Someone that we would all kind of say, I'd love to be like Paul. Listen to Paul's testimony, life testimony. Romans chapter 7, verse 14, for we know that the law is spiritual, but I am of the flesh. Hey, he's saved, but I am of the flesh, sold under sin. I do not understand my own actions. Boy, can I relate to that? Okay, here we go. Here's the tongue twister. For I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing I hate. This is Paul. And now if I do what I do not want, I agree with the law that it is good. So now it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells within me. For I know that nothing good dwells in me that is in my flesh. For I have the desire to do what's right, but goodness gracious, not the ability to carry it out. For I do not do the good I want, but the evil I do not want is, my goodness, what I keep on doing. Now if I do what I do not want, it's no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells within me. So I find it to be a law that when I want to do right, evil lies close at hand. Are are we like all like going, oh, so know that reality, huh? Uh, For I delight in the law of God in my inner being. I am serious. I'm filling in some things. It's like, I'm serious. I I really want to do it Honors God. I really want it, I really, I want it to, it honors the Lord, and yet it's like, I'm such a loser. 23, but I see in my members another law waging war against the law of my mind and making me captive to the law of sin that dwells in my members. Oh, wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from the body of death. thanks be to God. Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ, our Lord. So then I myself serve the law of God with my mind, but with my flesh I serve the law of sin. Listen, I want for you to understand what Paul is not saying is, I know what this battle is. I know what this battle is to be in the hand of God and yet have the flesh reality taking place that I'm not fully uh, justified. I'm justified, but I'm not eternally glorified at that place. So there's still the reality of this inward battle going on within me. And I've got this battle going on. And he's not, saying, and then I got over it, and I was like, whoop, I all of a sudden was released from that. Paul is not saying that. He's saying this. Listen, now in this battle, as I'm seeking to honor the honor my Lord, love other people, I'm walking in Him. There's a war that's going on in this walk. In this war, I would be completely without hope were it not for a great big God and the Spirit of God working in me. Listen, Christ is the center of my justification the Spirit of God is the center of my progressive sanctification Are you walking? Are you walking by the Spirit? In other words, Paul talks here the mind, I I don't have the time to go into it more but I want to tell you the battle is right here And my job, your job, is to be the kind of people who our heads are engaged in the game. Our heads are engaged in the battle. And I want to let you know this is a battle. And for those of you who are like, crud, I'd rather go over here because there's no battle over here. Wait a second, here's the deal. I'll say this. After studying this passage this week, praise God for the battle. Here's why. Over here there's no battle. None. There is no battle. Why is that? Because Ephesians chapter 2 verses 1 through 3, there is no spirit of God in me. It's just all about me living in my condemned reality since day. Yeah, but people feel guilty. Understand God puts within people even the understanding of that there is a holy God. But yet within all this, there's no real battle. It's all about me and my sin and whatever I want to do. Over here, praise God, there is a battle now going on, and the reason for the battle is because now the Spirit of God is in my life. I get to go to battle for God. Why didn't God just take us from this state and rapture us, redeem us right out, and go to heaven? I'd vote for that one. Why didn't God do that? I got to tell you, I don't know. Oh, wait. This battle, walking battle... God saw that this would bring him more glory than if he did that. God could have just, when we come to Christ, could have just, I mean, he can do anything. He could have just, pew, and taken us up to heaven. But he didn't. Why? Because we are now here. We have the opportunity to be able to live the battle and give God glory in it. But I don't want the battle. I I don't either. I don't wait a second, the battle gives glory to God. It's not about me. The battle gives glory to God. And he takes immense glory in it when his children are wholly set apart unto him through life. And the only way that can happen is when I understand he has set me free to live this battle till I see him face to face. And in this battle, he hasn't left me alone. He's given me his full, complete word that gives me everything I need for life and godliness. And he's given me the spirit of God. And those two together, Oh, when I'm walking, they're here. I want to tell you, God does a work in my life and those around. Hey, when we talk about the spirit of God working... I would like to challenge you in your thinking. I don't know where you come from in your past and in your life. I would suggest and encourage you maybe to consider uh, viewing the walk with the Spirit of God less as this hocus-pocus spiritual mysticism thing and more as a step. Let's get after it. Let's do it. You see here in the passage, it talks about he set me free to what? To do love serving. He set me free to do what? To get walking. And this kind of thing will, uh, so often, can the spirit of God move people? Yes, he can. But I got to tell you, when you see the scriptures, you don't see this thing of the spirit of God speaking to me. I've never heard the spirit of God, quote, speak. I've never heard God speak. But I do know this. I'm indwelt with the Spirit of God, and he uses the Word of God, and he moves us ahead. And by the way, I also am in a battle. And if I remember the battle with my flesh, that and the fact that Satan wants to look like an angel of light, how do I know sometimes if that's an angel of light that's moving me or if that's really the Spirit of God? Here's my call for us, folks. Let's be people of the Word. We do know this for sure, okay? I'm not saying no Spirit of God moving people. I'm not saying that, but I'm also saying, let's see, let's not go to the end where it's all like, Woo! going on everywhere. This is about people who are engaged in the Word, engaged with our Savior, moving ahead, putting our walking in our head into action. It's a battle. It's a battle. Well, let me just read the end. Verse 17, for the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, The desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. This is what Paul was talking about. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you are led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. And we're going to continue this on uh, next Sunday. Um, Let's pray. God, I I just want to conclude here uh, by thanking you, if you will. I even have a hard time saying this, Lord, to tell you the truth. I thank you for the battle because the fact of the battle means you're in me. You've redeemed me. You've saved me. You've empowered me. And so, Lord, I thank you for the battle. I don't always enjoy it, but I thank you for the opportunity that you freed me from the unbattle to a battle for your glory. Oh, Lord, would we in this in this walk with you. Would we walk? Lord, I pray if there's anyone in here who's been just frankly been sitting, been doing the yoga uh, stance with you. Father, I pray that they would stand up and they would get and say, God, I'm getting after. I'm gonna be a person that's in the word and I'm gonna be a person that in my day, I am actively and continually seeking to be a person that is asking the question, how can I glorify you in this moment? God, help us to be people that walk. I thank you. You didn't call us to be people that run. But the fact of walking, to me, just communicates. You understand it's a long-suffering process. Thank you for your patience. Father, may we be a church that walks by the Spirit not our own efforts fully, completely devoted to you All glory to you, glory to God for any good that takes place thank you for love serving us and thank you for walking for us may we be and do the same for you because we get